Party people, this is me, myself, and Millie, a podcast about pop culture and hot goss through the lens of your nosy neighbor. I'm your host, Millie Brooks, and yes, I play all three characters, me, myself, and Millie. This is episode 28, and thanks for tuning in today, guys. So, keeping with the theme of infertility... Today, we are going to talk with my good friend, Leslie Hitchcock-Stone, about going through IVF when you're 40. There are a lot of misconceptions about in vitro fertilization, and everyone's experience is so different. So we are going to crack open a small portion of the IVF conversation and talk to Leslie about her journey today. Um, I'm sure you've heard of IVF. Maybe you have, maybe you know somebody, or maybe you have already gone through it or are starting the process. Um, But there's just a lot of information out there, and um, there's a lot of different ways that one could actually do IVF. So today we are just going to listen to Leslie's experience going through IVF, but before we get to that interview, if you haven't done so already, go to iTunes, find the podcast section, and give this show a five-star review and a small recommendation. Hey, why not? What else are you doing right now? We're all on lockdown. Come on. It really helps the growth of the show. And, you know, it helps direct the traffic here. So go ahead, write me a little love note in a review. And thank you for your support. Seriously, I really appreciate it. So, WTF is IVF. What the fuck is in vitro fertilization? Here is the IVF process in a nutshell. Step one, day one of your period. That is the official day of your IVF treatment cycle. Step two, stimulating your ovaries. Typically, using injectables or shots of different types of hormones to produce the most amount of follicles, which if you don't know this, in your ovary, there are many different follicles and within the follicle is an egg. So they're trying to produce the most amount of follicles slash eggs that they can. Step three. Egg retrieval. Grab those eggs. Step four, the sperm. Put those eggs that you collected in step three with some quality sperm. Step five, fertilization. Make sure some of that sperm gets inside that egg. Step six, embryo development. This all happens inside a lab. It basically is um, where the embryo develops to a point where it can then be transferred to the uterus. Step seven, the embryo transfer. The embryo is then put into a catheter. Sometimes it's more than one embryo. 
and is then shot up the woman's hoo-ha for implantation. Step eight, the final blood test. And this is the last step in the process. And it is essentially to see if the embryo that got shot up in the catheter in the step prior stuck to the uterine wall. So those are the basics. Obviously, the situation is different all across the board, depending on who you are and your situation. But those are the nuts and bolts. Okay, let's get to the interview with Leslie. Okay, here we are with Leslie Hitchcock-Stone. Welcome, Leslie. Thank you for having me, Millie. I'm so glad you're here today to chit-chat with me. Um, What are you up to these days? I think it's probably a good idea to acknowledge the state of the world right now, and you're in the UK. What are things like over there? Yeah. So, um, you know, had we been talking a week and a half ago, it would be a completely different answer. But right now, um, a lot of staying at home (laughs) (laughs) Um, under government advice. And, um, you know, it's interesting because it's um, I um, I actually left my job at the end of of January. um, TechCrunch, right? TechCrunch. Yeah, I had been at TechCrunch for nearly nine years, and um, it was the time, the right time for both me and for TechCrunch for us to part ways. It was amicable and and um, and absolutely the right thing to do. And so I took off February to just kind of rest and regroup and um, start thinking about what it might I might want to do next. And then um, in uh, mid-March, I was supposed to start having coffees with people to start talking about what might be next. And, uh, <laughs> and so that's been put on hold because um, um, our nanny can no longer come in and, and work with our toddler. And so um, I'm getting the I'm getting more of an opportunity to spend time with him right now. And, um, my husband is, uh, working from the top floor in our house. (laughs) It's a bit of a circus, but, um, but yeah, it's not, it's not what I would have anticipated, but it's what we're up to these days. Yeah. Yeah. It seems I definitely don't have any FOMO right now. Like I, I'm, you know, like I always, like when we, when we weren't social distancing, I was like, oh, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. But like, nobody's doing anything right now. So it feels, it feels, it feels like, you know, that has been lifted at least. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I just, I'm, we're in such a fortunate position because we're, you know, we can still afford to pay our nanny, um, while she's furloughed. And, um, that's really important to us to, to keep that going. And, mm-hmm. um, um, and, um, you know, I, I'm not homeschooling anybody. Thank God. Oh God! <laughs> like, the homeschool while I'm I, doing it, like, yeah, it'd be so much worse. <laughs> yeah. The homeschooling parents right now Bless are, Bless them. They are at max capacity. Yes. They're right up there for me with, um, with, you know, frontline operators. (laughs) Yes. 
Absolutely. Well, I like to start these interviews with getting a little bit to know about your partner and how you guys met. Yeah. So, um, um, my husband and I, um, we met in, uh, July of 2014. And our story is a, a little non-traditional. Um, I, I was living in San Francisco at the time, which is how I know you. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was over in London and Berlin on business and, um, I was invited to a dinner and was seated across from the man who would eventually become my husband. Mm. And, um, we ended up spending time together um, before I went back to the States. And at the end of that time, I was like, well, it was really great to meet you. Maybe we'll see each other around again. And he was like, actually, this was really good. Um, you're coming back to London monthly for the next six months. Like, why don't we use technology and see how this goes? And I was like, oh, okay. It hadn't even occurred to me. Yeah. Um, and then like eight months later, we were engaged and Six months after that, we got married, and then and then two months later, I moved. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. That's yeah. wonderful. And you got married um, in in, in England, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We got married in Oxford. He did his um, he he's had his graduate studies at wow. Queens College in Oxford, and so we got married um, in a little part of the Bodleian Library called Convocation House. And then had our dinner at Queens College, and um, it was really nice. And then um, I moved my life from San Francisco to to uh, to London so that we could start our married life together there. Right. <laughs> I remember that. I remember your going away party. That was. I mean, Leslie. People like the whole city was there. <laughs> it was a, it was a, it was a bumping, bumping bash. It was great. Um, well, very fortunate. I, in my 10 years in San Francisco, I met a lot of really, 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 really amazing people who I, it's been nearly five years that I've been gone and I, I still miss them as much as I do. Five years. Yeah, nearly. Wow. Time flies. <laughs> wow. And also stands completely still. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. What is time anymore? I don't exactly. know. Well, so tell us a little bit about your fertility journey and like start from the very beginning. Yeah. Um, so the very, very beginning, uh, you were actually part of that, which you don't even know because I've never spoken to you about it until now. But, um, Ooh, we, new, um, news to me. Good. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually uh, got pregnant on accident before we got married, and I um, um, I was away with you and the girls up in Tahoe when I realized that you were pregnant. Yes. No. Yes. Oh my God. And we watched that show, dear Zachary. <laughs> oh my God. Yep. I'm a monster. I'm a monster. Well, okay. A, That's wild. I, um, you know, it's very interesting experience. Um, you know, getting, because I, I'm 40 now. And, um, so when that happened, I was, turning 36. And, um, I, 
Uh, so I had gone from like age, what, 13 to 36, you know, for the most part having my menstrual cycle. And mm-hmm. it was a very strange experience because I was supposed to get it that weekend. And I just kept going to the bathroom, kept going to the bathroom, kept going to the bathroom. And there was literally nothing. And the whole weekend I was freaking out because I thought, I just don't know. I just don't know about this. I just, <laughs> I just don't know about this. And, um, and then when I got home, um, I, 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 you know, I went and bought pregnancy tests and I took them and, and they both came back positive and, and, um, and I, I came into acceptance at that point and waited up until midnight to wait until Toby got up in Berlin. Cause he was living in Berlin at the time and, and called him and was like, we're pregnant. <laughs> and he was thrilled and, and that yeah. helped me because, you know, it was, it was, it's very, it was very scary. Um, okay. and then I fully embraced it. I was really excited and, and, um, and, and, um, we were making plans about, you know, how to make, get me to move earlier and things like that. And, and then, um, eight weeks in, I miscarried oh. and, uh, I was completely I'm devastated. Sorry. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm still sad about it actually. Um, yeah. and, um, miscarried at eight weeks in and, um, and just, it fell into a hole really um, emotionally. I, I nearly called off our wedding. Cause I was like, what if I can't ever get pregnant? He really, really, really wants a family. What if this is, you know, I'd had a, I'd had, um, um, experience w- with an eating disorder for a really long time that caused me to, to not get my period for a while. So we weren't even sure if I would, you know, be able to successfully get pregnant. And, uh-huh. and then when I did, you know, it was like, well, what if I can't again? And luckily I had some good guidance in my life that said, do not, change anything. <laughs> Do not cancel your wedding. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other and it'll all make sense. Solid. And, um, that's solid advice. I'm glad I got it. Cause that wouldn't have not, that would not have been good <laughs> if I just blown up my life like that. Um, but that's how much grief I was in. And, um, and so, um, we took some time off. We decided we weren't going to try and get pregnant right away again. And, um, And then about six months later, I was feeling more stable to try. And, um, and so we, um, we were just kind of, you know, following, um, I was using the clue app to try and, you know, see what my cycle was doing and all this stuff. And, um, just, you know, what app is it called? Clue? Clue. Mm Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's really, really great app. It's founded by a woman I know named Ida Tin. They're based in Berlin and, um, they, uh, started out, I think that their main goal still is to, uh, help women know their bodies to be able to get pregnant, but they've also inadvertently, um, hit on, you know, a variety of, of women, um, from, you know, teenagers who are just getting, their periods, um, you know, all the way up women helping them get to know their bodies. And it's really cool. Uh, it's, um, it's not pink. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Most fertility trackers are pink and maybe yeah. die, but, um, I really, really, really like it. Um, I'll send you the a link to, to it. Yeah. I'd um, love to check that out. But, um, I was using the clue app and, and we felt like we should be getting this right, but it just wasn't happening. And so, um, so that's when we kind of kicked off a more investigative, um, journey into our, into both of our fertilities, because like I said, I'm now 40. 
So I was beginning to get into my upper thirties and my husband is seven years older than me. Um, and as he likes to say, had never gotten anybody pregnant. So maybe there's <laughs> something wrong with him. <laughs> Isn't that you funny know. how they ask them that? at the clinics, like, has your husband gotten anybody pregnant? And I'm like, I hope not. (laughs) Um, so we started, um, just basically just kind of going to the internet and searching for reputable fertility doctors in London. And in London, that sends you to the famous Harley Street, which is where all of the specialists of any type of medicine have their offices. Got so it. we went to uh, this, this so doctor there. did you there. Guys do a private clinic, not the NHS? Mm-hmm. We chose not to go to the NHS uh, for the fertility treatments because I used to travel a lot on business. Um to a lot of different countries and a lot of different time zones. And we wanted to be able to work our fertility around our lives rather than our lives around our fertility, which is a really strange way to put it now that I think about it, because then everything ended up definitely being about the fertility. Um, but that was our, originally our, our thought. So we, we went private, um, got it for the, the, um, for up through getting pregnant. Um, and so we went to this clinic and basically they just like, you know, got me to pee and then they did a scan and, you know, they got, they tested Toby's, um, uh, sample and they were like, you're fine. Come back in six months. Wow. And so they take any blood. Did they do labs. Yes. They did lots of labs and everything to them looked fine. So we were like, all right, well, why don't we try that? And, um, so then as the end of six months came, you know, we, I, I, you know, I, I knew what getting pregnant felt like and I, and my cycles were still very regular. And so we're like, okay, this isn't working. So what do we do? So then this is when we started to kind of get guided without realizing it. Um, Toby was talking to a friend, a mutual friend of ours, um, who uh, randomly works for the Tory government. And um, oh wow, I know. And she said, "You know, I have a friend whose wife is a fertility acupuncturist. Ooh. Would you like her number?" And we were like, "Yeah." And so um, she sent me an email, and the subject line was "Needles for babies." <laughs> And, um, and, uh, that's how I met a woman who is an angel in my life named Nava Carmen. And she is, um, a, a fertility acupuncturist specialist. And, um, she's so funny. She said, I'm the only person that's ever come in as a referral through her husband. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. She doesn't advertise. Like you basically have to know of her to find her. And, um, she was the first clue that, um, that not all was as well as the fertility doctor had told us. Mm. She, she, um, she recommended a couple different labs for me to do. And, um, 
she also was looking at all of, you know, from an Eastern medicine perspective, uh, you know, my pulse and my tongue and, and everything and realized that I was actually ovulating too early every month. Mm. So even if we were successfully getting, uh, an egg, you know, fertilized, um, it wasn't going to embed because it wasn't at the right, the right stage in its, its maturity. And so we took a couple months for her to move my cycle and she did like, she moved it. No way. Yeah. So I was like ovulating smack dab in the middle of my cycle. Nice, big, juicy eggs. Apparently. Yes. Let's do it. Um, and, uh, you know, I still really wanted to try us continuing, you know, naturally, um, to get pregnant, uh, with, with that assistance. Um, but after another, I would say that was actually another six months. Um, it still hadn't worked. And then she and a couple friend of ours suggested this one doctor. Um, his name was Colin Davis. And um, she said they both suggested him. They don't know each other, our friends and, and Nava. And, um, and so we thought, okay, well, two independent sources have recommended this doctor. Let's check this out. While this was going on, we also did some experimental stuff. Um, the fascinating thing about going on a fertility journey like this is you are actually at the cutting edge of medicine. Uh, you're doing things that really aren't that tested yet. Um, and if you have the stomach for it, it's very exciting. If you don't, it's very scary. Mm-hmm. I found it exciting. Um, one of the things that we looked at from an Eastern medicine and a Western medicine perspective is the fact that there's a lot of autoimmune that runs in my family. My mother has celiac. Um, my brother has ulcerative colitis. Um, my other brother has uh, eczema. My aunt has rheumatoid arthritis. And the, the premise of starting to investigate this was that maybe my body was on overdrive, uh, which can happen for a variety of reasons. Um, but why don't we check this out and see what my blood count is in this particular regard? And so I went to, um, you know, as we were getting an appointment with Colin Davis, I went to um, another doctor at the Lister Hospital. Um, and he specializes in, um, um, uh, immunotherapy for, uh, fertility treatments. And he did tests on me and we learned that my natural killer cells were through the roof. Oh, wow. The number of them was pretty, pretty high. And so, um, so the thought was, and there's, there's no way to see if this is actually happening, which is why it's all exper- experimental, um, is the thought was that my body, we were getting fertilized eggs, but that my body was just being really intense and killing them off before they had a chance oh, to, wow. to um, embed and you know become a successful pregnancy. So... These two doctors did not work together, but they worked in tandem. And while we were beginning fertility treatments with Colin, I was going monthly and having um, uh, infusions done. Um, And um, they would last like 
eight hours to be in the hospital oh for eight gosh. hours one day. And, and they um, were blood infusions? No, they weren't. Um, they were a, um, um, why am I drawing a blank on the name? I'm going to see if I can remember this name. Um, but they were, um, basically a, an infusion of a whole bunch of, um, minerals and things that were, that would bring my natural killer cells down. Mm-hmm. And so what I would do would have them, I'd have this after a, um, like a couple days after I would ovulate. And the idea was that this, um, infusion would hope, hopefully help the little egg in the mm-hmm. head. Mm-hmm. And so I did these monthly until we were, uh, 13 weeks pregnant and then I could stop because you wanted to get through the first, um, the first trimester. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, the, the doctor was, um, um, Dr. Tum and, um, he was at the Lister clinic and it was, yeah, it was reproductive immunology treatment. Okay. And you would have never known that unless you had talked to the acupuncturist. Was she the one that guided you there? Wow. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so it was pretty, it was pretty good. I mean, it was very costly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but it was, um, it was something that I chose to do. And Toby, my husband was, um, he wasn't fully on board with us doing this until he did some independent research. He was getting a doctorate at the time. So he, um, had access to a lot of medical journals that you wouldn't, you know, be able to find, you know, just me going off and searching, I wouldn't be able to find this, but there was a study being done on rats that showed that they had really high level of autoimmune after uh, trauma. And so, and, and also um, as a result of depression. And so the idea was that uh, trauma can cause depression, which is actually inflammation, and that these oh. types of treatments could actually relieve depression and inflammation and then bring the immune system down again. And right, it's being done on rats, so it's not like it's not in you know in um, it's not accepted yet as medicine. but we took that and looked at my trauma, emotional trauma from the miscarriage Mm. and, um, and the depression that then set in because when we started doing these treatments, all of a sudden these treatments and then steroid treatments, um, all of a sudden I was feeling better Mm. emotionally. It was really, really interesting. So, um, so while this is happening, um, we were, uh, on the road basically to IVF. Um, I was, I was very, um, skeptical of IVF. I did not want to do it. I was very blocked around having IVF. I don't know why. I think I was just really attached to the idea of, um, of, you know, getting pregnant naturally, just really wanting to do it that way. And so, um, it was, um, the last half of 2017, we did uh, several IUI treatments and none of them worked. Um, 
and, um, did, and did, I, were you ever on a medicated IUI? Um, I don't know the terminology that y'all use there. I did all of the, um, I did clo- Clomid. Yes. Yes. Yep. Oh, I hated Clomid. <laughs> oh, Clomid was so intense. Clomid brings out the worst in people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really yep. complicated, isn't it? Like all of the medication you end up on, like you're already in a high stress environment with you, yourself, your body, and then your partner, and then you have to add in all this medication. It's like, oh, I, it's uh, the worst. It's a, yep, it's an extra layer yeah. of everything. So, yeah. <clears throat> so yes, we did, the the IUIs we did were all medicated. Okay. Um, and um, um, we, uh, we also found out with one, there was one more, one more treatment that we did, which was, um, or not a treatment, but an assessment of my fallopian tubes. And that was actually the most painful thing <laughs> that I had to go through. Was that the HSG test? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, yeah. Cause, they call it here a hycosy scan. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, where they squirt liquid the opposite direction. So uncomfortable. Yep. Um, and what we found was that my left side was totally fine, but my right side was blocked. So... We we realized, you know, along along the road that like not everything was as good as it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, so the last two times we did IUI, um, I had thought, okay, let's just try one more time and get do an even three and like get it done with. And then when it when the second one didn't work, my husband and I just looked at each other and we're like, okay, it's time time yep. to do IVF. <clears throat> yep. And so we took two months off to kind of recover from the, um, from the IUIs. And, um, and then I started, um, it was March of 2018. I started all of my lovely injections and, um, I, uh, had an embryo transfer, uh, the last week in March, uh, in our, the numbers of our, you know, the, the IVF numbers, um, we ended up with 19 eggs. That's good. Yeah. It was a lot of eggs. <laughs> That's good, Leslie. Um, and then, um, by for day five blastocysts, we ended up with four. Um, Still good. Solid numbers. Yeah. Good numbers. Good numbers. We did a fresh transfer. Um, so the week that it happened, um, as soon as I woke up from having the, um, all the eggs collected, um, I rested a little bit longer and then went to go see my acupuncturist. And I saw her twice a day for the entire week, um, to kind of prepare my body for a fresh transfer because I didn't realize just how hard on the body it was to have, you know, 19 eggs removed. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so our embryologist, um, checked in with us every day on the status of the eggs and, or the embryos. And, um, um, there were four, she picked the, the best looking one and, um, transferred it in. And that was Jude. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that was a day three transfer. 
Day five. Day five. Okay. Yeah, he was day five transfer. Four of them made it to day five. We sent the other three off to be tested. Two were not viable, so we let them perish, and one is on ice for another year. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So we were very lucky. Very, very lucky. And that was the first time. Most people, it doesn't work the first time. Yeah. Wow. Um, so what were, just going backwards a little bit, um, what were people's reactions when you started telling them you were doing IVF and did you tell anybody? So, yes, I did. I told like my close people, um, and, um, my boss because, so the reactions were, I'm so excited for you. Mm -hmm. Which I didn't expect because I had judged IVF, like, you know, up and down. (laughs) Um, Everybody said, I'm so excited for you. You know, my family, um, my good, good close friends. um, Well, actually, I really only told, like, um, three friends. Um, uh, Because, you know, I, I, because it was so, it was like, it felt so emotionally sensitive. I just didn't want to, like, put it on blast. Totally. But if you think back to what I did in my career, which was get on planes and go to like really weird countries, uh, for, for work, (laughs) um, I had to tell my boss basically immediately because what happened was that when we did fall pregnant, Colin Davis asked me not to (laughs) take long haul flights or go anywhere stressful Really, for the entire pregnancy. No way. Wow. So I basically had to tell my boss immediately because I couldn't do my job as, as it originally was. Right. Right. Um, so, um, and we were not going to take any risks. Like if that was what the doctor suggested, that was what we were going to go with. Um, and, and, and my boss was super supportive. Absolutely. We're going to figure this out. Not a problem. Let's look at what you can do, what you can't do. And let's get people in for you. It was, it was, it was the best super supportive environment I could have been in. That's great. TechCrunch TechCrunch was absolutely amazing for the entirety of my fertility journey. That's great. Yeah. That's really great. And, um, I mean, looking back on all of this, was there, you know, Something that you wish you knew before you started the journey? Oh, man. You know what? People who had been through this road before us had said, just just go straight to IVF. <laughs> and yeah. Toby was like, maybe we should just go straight to IVF. And... Like I said, I was, I was prejudiced against it. And, um, and now I'm like, maybe we should have just gone straight. (laughs) Um, but also like Jude, Jude is Jude and he wouldn't have come any sooner. Mm -hmm. He came when he needed to come, when he was ready, when we were ready. Who's to say that if we had started IVF a year before, that we would have had as good of an experience. Yeah. 
that's so I fully believe that we walked the road we were supposed to walk. Um, before I started it, um, um, it's really hard to convey just how complicated the medication is, uh, when it gets in the system. I also took 800 milligrams of progesterone a day, um, leading up to, um, the embryo transfer and then for the first 13 weeks of the pregnancy. And, um, the way I've described it is that it basically just took me out of myself for that duration of time. Um, it was rather convenient timing because like I said, my husband was working on his doctorate, so he needed to be really heads down. And the fact that I just kind of was there, but wasn't there was, um, helpful. (laughs) Um, but I also, I couldn't enjoy my life because I really wasn't part of my life then. And, and I wish I had known that that was coming yeah. uh, so I could kind of prepare for it as much as one can prepare for something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I felt otherwise, like I was, like I was very prepared. I'm very lucky that I had Nava who is independent from each of the doctors that I was working with. She, she knows them very well and they refer business to her and she, or not business, but she, they refer patients to her. She refers patients to them. Like, you know, they have a, a, a great working relationship, but she doesn't, she wasn't employed by any of them. And so to have her as an independent source, Um, my husband and I went and met with her a couple of times, like just to ask questions without me having a treatment. Um, Mm -hmm. and that was really, really helpful. Um, because, you know, I received this packet from, from Colin's office in advance of all of the procedures. And like, it's almost like when you go to the bank for a loan or something. Oh my God, the paperwork. Exactly. They know what they're talking about and you're reading it and it's like, okay, these are all English words, but like, what does this mean? And so Mm -hmm. to have an independent person be able to help walk us through stuff was really, really helpful. Um, That's great. Yeah. So, you know, those, those types of things, um, I think we, we were very lucky that we just kind of like tripped into a lot of excellent resources, um, leading up to and, it. And did you have any misconceptions going into it? You know, I would say no. And, and the reason why is because, and I might contradict myself in a minute. I'm not really sure how this <laughs> answer is going to come out, but, um, so before I met Toby, I, I really, like I said, I wasn't sure if I'd ever be able to get pregnant. And also like, I wasn't really sure I wanted to have children at that point. And, um, and, and when I met Toby that, that shifted, you know, I realized I hadn't actually met anybody that I would want to have kids mm-hmm. with up until then. And so I went and then, you know, we basically got married and jumped right into, um, family planning, so to speak. And, um, And so I didn't really have time to think about anything. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and also I'm, (laughs) I'm, I'm prone to anxiety. Uh, and so I, as part of my day-to-day management of that, like I try and stay like intensely present. Um, and so I, as part of that, like I just, if it wasn't happening right then, that day, I just wouldn't let myself think about it. Um, so 
that kind of saved me from any spiraling thoughts that would lead to, you know, not thinking about what I had just been told and like how to process that particular bit of information. Right. I don't know if that makes sense, but it does. It does. I mean, I think you, you gotta, you know, keeping your feet firmly on the ground and in the moment, but not get too far ahead or too far back, you know, is a, yeah. And it's also helped me too to like stay where I'm at, but understand what the next steps are. Yes, yes, exactly. Like knowledge was very helpful. Mm-hmm. Knowledge was good information, but like you know, people would people would kindly like suggest, oh, maybe you might like to read this blog and yeah about this person's experience, and I was like, whoa. I know. No, well, and you. everybody's experience is so different. I know. You know, and it all turns out so, you know, there's that I go to see one doctor and he he's this Russian guy and all he says is there's more than one way to skin a cat. <laughs> just like there's just more so many different ways you can do it yeah you know so it's just um I think that like what I know about IVF today is very different from what I know I knew about IVF 10 years ago oh totally totally yeah you know well and also like I mean, now women are waiting longer. Um, you know, there's there's same-sex couples who need fertility treat who have you know get fertility treatments, and and it's um it's becoming much more mainstream. And it's very very you know you mentioned you asked if we did it on the NHS or if we went private. Like that's huge here in the in the in the UK that you can you can my sister-in-law. Um, had had several rounds of 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 um, IVF for free through the NHS, which is is amazing that they yeah. have that ability and that opportunity. Um, and like I said, we wanted to kind of do things when we wanted to do them, rather than when the NHS told us it was time to do them. So that's why we went private. But then, as soon as as soon as we were cleared through thirteen weeks, we switched into the NHS and mm-hmm. had a great experience that way. But um, you know, in Europe, um, it's it's incredibly egalitarian in, in terms of offering um, fertility treatments to people. And I just saw a piece, I saved it, but I haven't read it yet, um, in the New York Times about how fertility is now like a luxury product in, in the U.S. And it just breaks my heart because, yeah, you know, it's I, I wish that um, that it could be accessible for everybody. And 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 it's not. Yeah. It's so, it's so devastating, you know, and there's certain, I, I go to a support group and I've made some friends in that group and, um, and they both have very good jobs and they both have insurance that covers it. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Which is so rare. It's just Mm -hmm. so rare to find you know, to get an insurance package where that's covered. And, yeah. um, so 
that's another probably going to be another episode this season of like navigating the you know navigating clinics navigating financially you know and insurance how do you do that you know they even have they have like grants you can apply for a grant mm-hmm. and like i know women that have been taking out loans mm-hmm. for this you yeah. know, so it's really it, it. They, we we have some catching up to do in regards mm-hmm. to that. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's interesting because for me, my you know, this was my first experience um, interacting with the healthcare system in the UK, and um, and so you know try it's interesting trying to be a resource to friends who are also walking this road in the states um because it's it's very different it's mm-hmm. very different everywhere everywhere it happens and and also you know nodding to what's going on um you know with the the coronavirus pandemic right now like it absolutely breaks my heart that all fertility treatments have been halted like all new ones yeah i just can't even imagine being so prepared to go through it because you have to emotionally, mentally, and physically prepare, like, and then be told indefinitely that it's halted. Like, yeah, it breaks my heart. Absolutely breaks my heart. Yeah. I, um, so that is what, that's the situation with us right now. Yeah. We were going to start, um, this month and, they, two weeks ago, they told me everything's put on, put on hold till May. But two days ago, they retracted that statement and said that everything is now put on hold indefinitely. Millie, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah. It's, it's just a wild trip, man. You know, you, you, you just like, you kind of like, are at a place where you're just always expecting bad news too. Yes. <laughs> so you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess so. Like, yeah. This, this makes no, sense. You're right. You're you know? Right. And then I also, yeah. I've been talking to a lot of my friends who are, um, my neighbor is a labor and delivery nurse. And then I mm-hmm. also have another friend in Montana who is also a labor and delivery nurse. And they are just like, it is a very scary time for people to be pregnant right now. Yeah. And, um, one of my friends recently shared with me that, um, there was a woman that came to her hospital, went into labor, had no signs of COVID-19 and somehow labor exasperated the symptoms and she gave birth and it turns out she has it and she needed to be intubated and she can't see the baby for two weeks. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's like just, oh man, it's devastating, you know? It's devastating. It's devastating any way you slice it. Yeah, I think it really is. You know, but I kind of, you know, I can't. I'm going to contradict myself right now with all these statements. You do such a gamble with all of this stuff. 
Yeah. You know, like it's all a fertility gamble. Yep. And um, pandemic or no pandemic, you're risking a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. so it's really, I, I do hope that our healthcare system can bounce back from yeah. it. Absolutely. That's the biggest, the biggest part. So what, Leslie, what suggestions, if any, would you have for people who are about to embark on that journey? Oh, man. It's really hard because like we've just been saying, it's so intensely personal and the way everybody handles it is so different. Um, I, I have one. Actually, please, <laughs> please. I think something that has helped me a lot is getting a second and third opinion. Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. That's you know, because what we had decided, my husband and I, um, going, because we, you know, going into the first round of IVF, um, we wanted to be prepared for what we would do next, uh, should it not work. And we, um, we were prepared to consolidate, um, our, our efforts and move everything over to the Lister hospital and work with Dr. Tom, um, on both the immunology and the IVF. If it hadn't worked with, uh, with Colin Davis, um, and then there was this third place that's like mm, less bedside manner, more number, you're a number in a machine, but they're like super efficient and they have really great results. Um, and yep. you know, I'm a, I'm a rather emotional individual. I love a good bedside manner. Yes. <laughs> so for me, that place sounded like hell on earth, but we had also decided that like you know, that, that it needed to be on our list of options, um, at least just to go and have a consultation, um, because we knew several couples who had been successful through them. Um, so, you know, I completely agree with you. I think that there's that. And, and also like, I mean, I did a lot of just like really blatant entertaining of self. I watched all 10 seasons of friends. (laughs) (laughs) I rewatched 30 rock. Mm-hmm. I watched like all the Wes Anderson movies, like all the things that like made me really happy. I read a lot, you know, I just kind of like, I took this opportunity because I felt so depleted in so many ways. I took the opportunity to really shamelessly fill myself back up. Yeah. Um, and enjoy the things you enjoy and, and enjoy. Yes. Because like my tendency would be to watch, you know, Homeland. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, you know, our doctor, as we were leading up to IVF said, maybe not. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Seriously. He was like, maybe not Homeland and Scandal and the news. Like maybe, maybe just like funny things for right now. Cause there was this study done in Israel. Um, there's a lot of really great fertility treatments in Israel cause they're all about getting pregnant, um, mm-hmm. and having babies there. And so, um, they, there was a study done that like, apparently, um, if there was a clown in the waiting room of, of IVF treatments and it made women laugh, like they had more success in their treatments wow. than women who didn't. And so, um, 
And so we were like, okay, let's like move away from my dark television proclivities back into some like, you know, light humorous things that just are enjoyable. Like try and enjoy myself because uh, rather than piling on. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, that's a little, um, you know, kind of like a, an emotional one, but it, it, it really did help. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Oh, I love that. I've never heard that before. And I love it. I'm taking that one. I'm taking that one back to the team. Yeah. (laughs) I, um, another thing that, um, was, uh, well, I, I guess this, you know, was something that, you know, somebody just gave me, a a doctor just gave me permission for, Mm. and she was like, you don't have to go to baby showers. Oh. (laughs) Anybody who got pregnant, anybody who had a baby, I didn't unfollow them, but I muted a lot of accounts. Um, I, yeah. I, um, even while we were going through this, my brother and sister-in-law got pregnant and, um, and we have a, a wonderful niece. She's also our goddaughter. She's amazing. She's one year and one month older than Jude. Um, Mm. so we weren't like that far behind them, but it felt like decades at the time. And, and when I, when, when I found out, I just, I was like, I had to text my brother. I was like, I'm really happy for you. And can we talk later? And, you know, we ended up talking then cause he really wanted to talk to me, but then I had a migraine because <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, it was like so much to be able to hold myself together to, to be happy and talk to them and not like, and then, yeah. you know, try and not be mad at myself for being resentful, you know? Yeah. But... <laughs> and it all, you know, does it like you tell me, does it all pass once you're able to, when, you know, once you have, have Jude, does yeah. those feelings sort of dissipate? Yep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the only thing that, that hasn't still is, you know, I still get twinges when I think about, um, I would think about the miscarriage and mm-hmm. I, he, Jude and I were out a couple of months ago on a little walk when I was still able to carry him in the sling. And, um, and we came across a little memorial for baby loss awareness week. And, and, um, if I had had something on me, I would have written a little note and, and, and added my little memory or whatever. I don't know, even know what I would have said, but I remember being struck by the fact, and I was like, gosh, I'm wearing him. Like it worked. It did end up happening, but I'm still, there's still loss there within me, um, around that. And, and you know what? There might always be. It might not be, but, but I get to carry both and, um, and that's, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. They, you know, on a lot of, I follow a lot of, um, fertility warriors on Instagram and the, you know, the whole, the whole message is just because I have a child does not, you know, fill the loss that I I still feel from my miscarriage. Mm-hmm. You know, and people assume that they think mm-hmm. that oh, now that you have a baby, that's all gone, and you know that hole is filled now. You yeah. know, and it it doesn't work like that. Yeah. After that experience, I became 
uh, it was that's I described that experience is is when I lost my innocence. Mm. Um, and um, and so you know that's not something you get back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. So yeah. Yeah. It's but it's not something I think about every day anymore, which is nice. It's yeah. But, but when it is there, I, I honor it and I don't try and push it away anymore because that didn't did not help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Leslie, this has been a really wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. Well, I'm so honored to to have been asked. I'm really glad you're doing this. Yeah. A special take on it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Millie. All right. I'll be thinking of you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Me, Myself, and Millie. Follow us on Instagram at Me, Myself, Millie for more podcast updates. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe and share on social media. A special thanks to my husband, Rowan Brooks, for technical support and Cal Reichenbach, who did all the music you heard in this episode. You can check him out at calzonemusic.com. Thanks, cutie bums, and see you next week.